Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. I'm all jacked up. I'm back on the uh, JustCoffee.coop coffee that they send me every month. Yeah, you know, I'm still drinking tea in the morning, but it sort of crept in, man. Me and Dino on the road just jacking up on that Dunkin' coffee because I feel like I have to when I'm, I'm back east. And God damn it, I got to lit up. I'm finally coming down from our trip, man. And Sunday night, we did uh, the last of the tour. That turned out to be beautiful weather-wise, but the last night at the Paramount was just a, what a great way to go out. What a great crowd there in Huntington, New York, and ran into my buddy uh, Dave Mannheim from the Dopey Podcast. He accosted me on the street, not unlike he does, and he's like, come on, what are you guys doing? You want to eat? And we're like, yeah, sure, and we go to the restaurant across from uh, the joint there, and we had dinner with uh, Mannheim and his wife, and you know, I don't know if you listen to Dopey, but... He basically interviews uh, recovering drug addicts. Good stories. Dino's got uh, got his thing going on. Let there be talk. And we uh, we were doing some of those uh, IG live IG things. People seem to like them. Me and Dean have a good time. I just want to thank all the audiences again for coming out. And that last show at uh, the Paramount in Huntington was just really fucking amazing. Special night. Great show. Great way to put to rest that material that I've been working on for a couple of years. You can see the trailer for my uh, special End Times Fun. March 10th it drops. I posted that on my Twitter. That's at Mark Marin, And also on my Instagram, at Mark Marin. The trailer came out good. Looks good. Looks different than other specials. Good material choices, nice edit job, wearing my vest that I think I probably am only going to wear once on that special. The fuck is wrong with me, man? I think it looks good. I love the thing. But like, why do I do that, man? In my entire, I finally got away from wearing new shit on TV. And then I do this new special. I'm like, I'm going to wear this vest and my uh, no collar shirt. But uh, I'm very excited about this special coming out. I think it's um, it's a very fitting special for the times we live in. For me, shot beautifully by Lynn Shelton in an intimate space, black box theater, the Red Cat Theater, downtown Los Angeles for a couple of hundred folks. 
It's got a very uh, personal, intimate vibe. Coming in close on the face, which is unlike a lot of specials. We're in the face. Getting intimate. Today on the show, Carol Kane joins me, who I love and have loved for years. Carol Kane has done some amazing work. Currently, she's um, in this uh, show about the Nazis. She's in uh, Hunters with Al Pacino. All episodes uh, are streaming on Amazon now. But Carol Kane was also in um, The Last Detail uh, with Jack Nicholson. And uh, she was great in that. She was in Annie Hall, spectacular. Hester Street, terrific. She's been around a lot. In, uh, and she shot movies back in the day with some of the greats. And we just got kind of nostalgic and reflective about stuff, about people. It was a, a beautiful conversation you're about to, uh, to witness. It was beautiful. How you guys doing? Everybody all right? You get that thing taken care of? Everybody good? Been edgy though, man. Just, I just, you know, monkey is declining. I don't know if I can take it. You know, his sister passed a few months ago. Passed with my help. And now her brother monkey is getting weak, man. He's getting weak. I don't know what's up. I got to bring him back to the vet. And I'm angry because I don't want to experience my grief. I got to put down two cats inside six months, brother and sister. The ones I've had for 15 years, 16 years, it's fucking brutal, man. And I'm just mad. I'm mad at Monkey for getting old. And, you know, I, I got I to gotta let go of it. Let go of the anger and, and, you know, open up, man. Open up. This is part of life. It's sad, but I just like, it's just hanging over me. I know it's going to, it's only a matter of time. I'm trying to keep him around. He's okay. He's still, he's just like spaced out and weird. He's a little old man. He's fragile. And he's, he's wearing out. But he's still a loving little guy. So I'm trying to be cool. I'm home for the duration now. We're going to be starting up Glow. Got to get my hair cut. Got to turn into Sam, Sylvia. So I'll be around for Monkey. I'll be around for Glow. I'll be around to do some stand-up around town. Be around to sort of fix up my house and get this studio in shape. But it's hard, man. It's hard to accept um, that, you know, that he's fucking sick. So listen, a lot of you have been mailing in your tech stories. And I'll try to, like, I'm, I'm going through them slowly. But I, I got a couple here about the texting the wrong person stories. I like these. They're great. Hey, Mark, with a K. I guess I, he means me. The following is a 100% true account of how I accidentally sent my conservative 75-year-old mom a text suggesting, you know what, I'm not going to spoil it. So I'm going to leave that there and just go here. I'll explain. He says, one night, a few years back, I'm hanging out with Andrew and a couple other buddies. Oh, Andrew, right, of course. Having a few drinks, etc. when we wound up in a riveting conversation about masturbation, specifically masturbation material. At some point, I proclaimed truthfully that I never in my life jerked off to print porn, magazine, still pictures, etc., but only to porn videos and probably 35 millimeter films going way back to my early teens in the early 80s. All right, it's a lot of details, pal. A lot of details. Big drunken conversation ensues. Everyone weighed in, detailing and expounding the pros and cons of both, etc. 
Later that night, after having gone my separate ways from Andrew and the gang, I received a text from my mom who had just returned home from a week of babysitting my three-year-old niece. Attached in her text to me was a cute pic of my cute little niece. Quote, great visit. Great to be home. We're exhausted. What are you up to? She asks. Just as I'm about to reply to my mom, Andrew texts in. Hey, what are you doing? To which I reply, as I call back from our earlier conversation, just jerking off to a still photo. Not bad, actually. Had no idea what I was missing. Send. <laughs> oh. Yup. Sent that above text to my mom in reply to her inquiry, re what I'm up to, and the attached picture of my three-year-old niece. Wow. Wow. Of course, my first inclination was to smash my phone into the wall to try and cancel it, but my stunned disbelief turned into mortification very quickly when the delivered message dissolved into the dreaded red. And that was that, permanent damage to my mother's perception of her son simply because I didn't have the wherewithal to just tap Andrew's incoming text before replying to him and thus texting her instead. So after briefly considering moving to Australia and just disappearing, I called mom. And while I did my very best to explain the misunderstanding that I'm actually not an incestuous pedophile, but just an inebriated guy trying to be funny, she awkwardly claimed to believe me. And we've never spoken of it since. But I'd be lying if I said she doesn't look at me differently now. Honestly, I can't even recount this anecdote without physically cringing. Uh, wow, man. Thank you, Dan. He also said, P.S., if you'd be so kind to disclose to me the shitty guy who stood you up and fucked you over leading to your accident, I'd be grateful. I can't do it, man. But thank you for your horrifying fucking little experience there. That was a good one, man. That was top-notch top-notch fucking horror story of the shitty texting episode. Yes, I enjoyed that. So look, I come up with a new character that I'm going to work on, maybe on stage, because I'm feeling angry. And when I get like this, when I get incredibly uncomfortable in my body, I want to lash out, man. I want to fucking lash out. Why don't you meditate? I don't. I do have to get out. I haven't been able to exercise. I worked out this morning, but I get, maybe I'll get back on track with that. I'll be better. I go in for an MRI on Thursday. See what the fuck is going on with my neck. Got to bring monkey in. Whatever, man. But I just, I'm like irritable and I want to yell. So I'm working on this guy. Uh, I, the, I, it's, uh, I used to yell guy. Yeah. It's a character I'm working on. I used to yell guy. He doesn't yell anymore, but he sort of yells about not yelling. Like, sort of like, man, if this was the old me, I'd be fucking yelling at you right now. If this was the old me, I'd be fucking telling you what a piece of shit you were. But I'm over that, all right? I'm not going to fucking tell you what a piece of shit you are. Even if you are one, I'm not that guy anymore because I don't fucking yell anymore. That's the new guy. That's I used to yell guy. I'm not fucking yelling at you. I'm telling you that I used to be a shitty fucking guy who would have told you your fucking car stinks and you're a talentless fuck. But that's not me anymore, man. I would never fucking say that. I used to yell, but I don't fucking do that shit anymore. I would say, go fuck yourself. But I'm not that guy anymore. That's used to yell guy. Thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed that. I'll be working on that guy.
Hey, man, if, if this were the old days, I'd tell you to get the fuck out of my house. But I'm not that guy anymore. So you go ahead and hang out. Just fucking hang out, man. Seriously, fucking hang out. I don't want you to leave. That's the old me. You fuck. Oh, see, I slipped. I slipped. That's a UCL guy relapsing. New character. Enjoy it. Carol Kane is a sweetheart and a great actress and uh, a legend. I don't like to use that word. I don't like when people use it about me, and I just did it about her. But I was so thrilled to have her on. I really am. Uh, She's on the new Amazon series Hunters with Al Pacino. All episodes of season one are now streaming. Enjoy this conversation with me and Carol Kane. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grade or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you you get your podcasts. How are you doing, Mark? I am. Uh, I'm okay. I'm pretty good. I I tend to operate at a high level of uh, of dread and anxiety. Oh God! What? Me too. You too? Are you kidding? It's going to be the death of me. Really? Oh fuck me! Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I what? Can't what do you? What I mean? What do you what, like? Just like upon waking, that's upon, usually <laughs> frequently upon waking. Yeah, I would just instantly be anxious. Yeah. Why is that? I don't know, man. It's uh, has it always been that way? Yes, I was an <sighs> anxious little baby, and I just stayed that way. I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't want. I don't like saying like I, I'm. I, I'm. I try to get away from saying uh, it's a Jew thing about anything, but like it's a Jew thing. <laughs> Is that right? I don't know. Well, Isn't it? it I like, don't it think it's to... only. I have a best friend who is not uh, Jewish at all, and she kind of is the same way. Oh yeah, yeah. but it's all, but it's something you've always lived with. Absolutely. So, like when you were a little girl, where was where where did that happen? Uh, well, I was I was in Cleveland. Cleveland. I, I, I was born in Cleveland. Was it a great city then? Do well, you, have... uh, you know, I left there when I was uh, quite young, and traveled a lot with my father and my family, and um, so I really only remember like going to ele- elementary uh, school and yeah. walking there in the snow. Right. You know. Yeah, I was just in Cleveland. You? Oh, what were you doing yeah. there? Well, I did comedy there, but oh. it's one of those cities where. You know, it's sort of uh, the vestige, the ghost of some other time. In Is a that way. right? Well, no, no. I mean, it's fine. It's bounced back to a degree, but there are these great, these great American cities that you know went through really rough times. Yeah. Some of them longer than others, and some of them have come back 
better than others, but you do feel like, oh, this was once something. Something beautiful. Well, and the um, Cleveland, the orchestra. And, yeah. And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is That's there, right. right. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame there, is there. And I think... Uh, I think rock and roll on some level had was Alan Freed from there. I think yes, I but I believe you're yeah, right. Like the the DJ, the the big rock so. shows. The, there was something defining about Cleveland in the history of rock. Yeah, and roll. but you were there only until you what? You were like ten. Uh, well, what, when I was eight, yeah, we moved to France for a year and a half, and then we came back for a small amount of time. Back to Cleveland. Yes. So and, what? And then we, we we lived in Haiti for a little while. Wait a minute. So, like, were your parents together? Wait, I mean, did... well, here's the, here's the trick. Yeah. Uh, we thought they were together. Who did? Me and my sister. There's just two of you. Yeah. Uh huh. But in fact, that was just a horrible, painful marriage, which could be why yeah. I woke up feel, anxious feel... when I was a little girl. For sure. And then, then we came back to Cleveland for a while. And then, when I was eleven, I went to boarding school in Connecticut. Yeah. And then my sister went to a different one because, yeah. in fact, then they had confessed that they were getting a divorce. Right. So we got, we went to different boarding schools, huh. and and, um, and then I moved to New York. So all right. So what? What did you grow? What did your folks do? What were they? What were they involved? My father with? was a, a beautiful architect. Really? Yeah, oh, fantastic. Is there still standing things? Y- yes, in Cleveland, a, a, a firehouse, a really? school, yeah, a part of a temple, yeah. A- and um, my mother, who's still with me, really? Oh, I'm so lucky. How, how old is she? She's ninety three. Wow. She is a composer, a pianist. Uh, she lived in Paris for 20 years uh-huh. and was considered a master teacher of something called Dalcros. I don't know if you've ever no, what is that? heard of it. It's a, Educate me. Yeah, it's a way of teaching uh, music through movement. Okay. And um, it's kind of a fascinating thing. And she, So that's why you went to Paris? Uh no, we went there as a family because right. my dad had a, a full, full, like a reverse Fulbright to uh-huh. study at the Sorbonne, oh. and then we we then she moved back there yeah. for real, you okay. know, yeah. and and then I would go see her a uh, couple times a year, and and then she moved back here, and she is still composing. In fact, if you have an email, yeah. which you won't be saying here, <laughs> yeah. um, I'd love to send you uh, a song that she wrote. Now it's a little film. It's called Nez. Okay. And it's on YouTube now. Okay. And so she's still at the piano every day. And where she live? She lives in New York. With we, you, we live in the same building, but not the same apartment. <laughs> we live on. I live on sixteen. She lives on ten. Okay, yeah, that wasn't always the way it was, right? No, you lived there first. No, yeah. she lived there oh, first. Yeah? And and then, I came a time when I just started to feel like it was better to be closer. Yeah, and. Uh, Eventually, I found a place that I liked in her building, and yeah. I moved. And it was perfect timing, really, uh-huh. because you you know some things happened to her health wise, and yeah. I was there. Right. And I'm so grateful for that. Is your sister still around? My sister's in Santa Cruz. What? Yes. What? I know. Is she I, an old hippie. 
she is an old hippie, <laughs> and she's a realtor now, and uh, uh-huh. she, she does a lot of movement stuff, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that's a pretty creative family, it seems. Yes. I mean, like, it doesn't seem like... Uh, so when you so you it was it was always sort of second nature to uh, engage in creativity and be and be that in that world even uh, grow up in a working class family. Right. I guess it was. Yeah. Like yeah. when when I was little, uh, my they had my mother had these gorgeous ballet books, these oh, yeah. big giant picture yeah. books yeah. Uh, of uh, of all the dancers and their costumes and makeup. And I used to, we, there was a makeup kit yeah. that you could get at right. FAO Schwartz. Oh, FAO Schwartz. And it was a kit, which is the best thing in the world. Sure. <laughs> Comes with its own little box. <laughs> yes. You open it up. Yeah, yeah. And then I used to sit on the floor in the bathroom in front of the mirror and just yeah. spend hours hours recreating <laughs> the makeup that yeah. was in the ballet book right yeah did you do ballet no i no. wish yeah no. but so you so your folks what they were always fighting is that what happened like or it was just tense because yeah. the anxiety thing because i wonder that about myself about because i don't feel like i don't i know my parents marriage wasn't great but there was fighting but it wasn't like total chaos but no. maybe it was i don't know well maybe. did they stay together no no, no, that'd be ridiculous. Of course not. It was a uh, yeah. They were both very. I don't know what my dad was up to. Well, I, well, I do, but <laughs> oh, you do. <laughs> sure. Uh, as you grow older, you yeah. have more of a clue. Well, they tell you. They, they there seems to be no, no statute of limitations. It runs out the statute of limitations on the shit they shouldn't tell their kid when they're in their eighties or seventies. Are, are they still with you? Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, it is most uh, days. Most days. And so, they, <laughs> how old were you when they separated? 35. I didn't know oh, who I were... would live with. Yeah, what <laughs> There's the a hell? custody battle. <laughs> it, was, it was a very difficult time for me. Who gets the baby? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. There's a long time coming. But, well, uh, what do you do about your anxiety? Oh, man. You know, I exercise a lot. And you I, look uh, good, by the way. Very handsome. Well, I appreciate that. I'd like everyone to know how handsome uh, you are. Thank you. I'm, tr- I'm, I'm, I'm holding up okay. I think I'm getting better. I think you're getting better. Yeah. I really do. I, I don't. I just try to do some self talk around it. Really, just to you know, try to figure out. You know, I just get filled with a certain amount of dread, and and God knows the cultural climate doesn't help. Oh my God! But there's something. There's some part of me that feeds it. Like it's involuntary. Like it's almost like there's some part of me that believes this is the way I should be. So that's hard for, to fight. Is that for your creativity? Do you think? No, I just think it's n- my nature. Like you said, you've had it all your life. So that's sort of that's your your ground zero. So that's your default. So. so any anything you do to improve that is going to be working against, you know, your nature. So that's how I see it, anyways. Uh, I feel that um, there is some wisdom yeah. creeping in as I get older. Yeah, sure. Uh, like a little bit is seeping in there, yeah. so that I'm able. Not every. Everything in the world yeah. was the most important thing in the world right. to me. And in terms of my artistry, it had to be perfect. Right. Or it was just crap, you know? Right. And So you're hard on yourself. Hard on myself. And when I was very young, I would think I was hard on others, uh-huh. um, which is no longer the case because I, I really did start to learn... Um, 
that it is the process, right. and that's all there is. Right. You know, you yeah. don't know what's going to happen with right. it. You yeah. do your best, and yeah. and you don't take anything out on anybody else, and you you better enjoy the process, and that's it. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. There, I, I get hard on myself as well, but there's times where. In terms of wisdom, a lot of things just don't matter as much as they used well, to. Well, that's, I think, what I meant to say. <laughs> I made it very fancy and elaborate, but that's what I... But isn't that kind of a relief? Totally. I, mean, I, I do, like, I, I've been doing a joke lately about, like, I don't know if I have early onset or Alzheimer's or I'm just getting older and accepting things more. But either way, I'm happy about that. Yes. I, ju- I have to tell you, I just read maybe the best book I ever read... I'm going to read it again. Uh, and it's Diane Keaton's new book, Brother and Sister. Oh, yeah. I just, I have, I, they sent me the galley copy. You, Why you do I must to get, read I, it. That's the last time I saw you, right? You were with her at a Netflix party, maybe? Could Was that be. true? Yeah. And, like, yeah, I'd love to talk to her. This is the most beautiful book perhaps I've ever read. And it has a great deal to do with what we, we were talking about, uh-huh. how, uh, uh, how things don't matter in the same way. Right. They, they matter, but you're able to see things differently. Yeah. So that's out. This is out, and it's a bestseller. Yeah. And I, as I say, I mean, I really think it's the most beautiful book oh, I've I gotta, ever I, read. I have it. I wanted to read it. I wanted her to come on, but I guess she's not. She doesn't do that. I don't know. I cannot speak for her. <laughs> Are you guys friends? Oh yes. So how long have you been friends with her? Okay, so, uh, at least 40 years. Yeah. I think more. So, but let's get before that. So now you leave Cleveland, your parents divorced. 42 years, okay. I think. I'm sorry. Since, <laughs> did you meet her on Annie Hall? N- no, we actually did a movie together before Annie Hall um, called Harry and Walter Go to New York, and it had this unbelievable James Conn and, and, and Elliot, uh, Elliot Gould. Gould. And Charlie Durning and yeah. Diane. And I'm, it, tra- I'm Harry, I'm Walter. It's such a thrill to be. It's, you're the only person in the world who remembers that. That's incredible. I remember just because, see, like, I remember it as that they were show business, but I don't think that they were. It was a, it was a crime thing, a robbery thing, or I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, I don't remember. I just remember them really. doing a bit. And but I rem- that's what they did. And, yeah. and you're the only one that knows <laughs> that. And it was directed by a brilliant director called Mark Rydell. Yeah. And it just was a big flop. Yeah. But that that's what I mean about the process. I loved know? I loved James Caan. I loved Elliot yeah. Gould when I was a kid. Of and I, I remember seeing that. I probably saw it with my parents. But I remember also like James Caan and Alan Arkin in Freebie and the Bean. Yes. Like, you know, like There were these weird movies that yeah. these guys did that like I remember seeing and I loved them but they didn't do well huh no so but let's go back so, so you, that's when we met oh yeah. okay so you go to prep school in Connecticut that's fancy and then that's you, you You feel like your parents pushed you both into different prep schools so they could figure out how to separate uh, no I think that they um, did what they thought was best for us and, yeah. and that I was uh, in love with theater you knew and, that and, from an early oh, oh yes i i started doing children's theater when i was like six you know? oh really yeah in and, cleveland in cleveland yeah and so then they sent me to a school yeah uh that had uh, a fantastic drama t- 
teacher. Yeah. Uh, it's a school actually that Mike Nichols went to, but now it's closed. But what it, was it called? It was called Cherry Lawn uh-huh. in Darien, Connecticut. Yeah. And in fact, I think that most of the kids were there because there was trouble at home, which I, I didn't know until my second year. You know? uh, yeah. A uh, bunch and, of other anxious kids. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, my sister loved horses and, uh-huh. and dogs and animals, and they sent her to a Quaker boarding school in uh, the Carolinas where she could, in fact, have a horse and a dog. And uh. So I, I think they were being very thoughtful mm. Um and yet, it was sort of the end of the family, you know. Sure. But it, it has to be. Yeah. So while you were there, is that where you did, uh, like, do you have a history of, like, learning acting? Is that where it started? To, no. You know? I, I Well, I guess I really started in children's theater. Yeah. Uh, we had a, a incredible guy named Jerry Leonard who yeah. ran this theater. And we were, like, six years old. Yeah. And like we did the Wizard of Oz, and you know they say, "Well, don't go to the east for in the east, you know, don't go to the west." You, you remember, remember yeah, that? Yeah. And and Jerry would come storming down the aisle of the theater, yelling at us that, you know. The West wasn't like just anywhere. The West is that way and the East is that We had to be professional. Right, right. And and that was a great beginning. A grown you know? man yelling at six-year-olds about no, but directions. He, but he made us better. Right. I'm not kidding. Yeah. He, he, he wasn't really, abusive. He was no, just no. perfectionist. He, he, yes. And yeah. he taught us the discipline of what it takes. Yeah. Uh, what you have to uh, stick with and, yeah. and it's not so easy if right. you take it seriously yeah 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 so you learn that lesson early then i went to acting school when i moved to new york but not but what about the boarding school what did you, did you do shows oh did we you? did little plays yeah, yeah yeah and the guy who was there the guy that was uh the the big Basil Burwell was right. his name. But that, did you have you studied acting, right? Uh, we had acting classes, yeah. yeah. And we did plays. Yeah. And I was a, very much a perfectionist then. I was like, if the other kids can't take this seriously, I'm going to go out of my mind. Yeah. It was terrible. Really? Well, I mean, I, I don't think it was so terrible for them. But, I mean, for me, it was like, how could they not give this their whole oh, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was 12. You so know? when you're a perfectionist as a performer like that in acting, I imagine at that age or, because I mean, it's one thing to be hard on yourself. So in around acting, it, it's a little tricky. Yeah, I mean, because sometimes all you can know is what you feel that, yeah. you know, whether you nailed it or not for yeah. you. Yeah. But I, I guess it's at a certain point, you're, you're, you're kind of half stage managing everything. Yeah. And sort of. Try not to, but. Right. Like, why aren't they doing this? Why is it? Worse? Yeah, I, I continuity that, issues. That's something I'm really trying not to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because, you know, I'm working now with younger people who really don't have much experience and I'm trying not to be the the one that says, no, 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 you know. Da, da, da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. All young people, right? In terms of like, uh, directing, mostly. production side and everything else? Well, mostly. Because it seems like you know when when you were started out in in the in the racket in the show business racket, the racket. everybody with kids in a way. I mean, everybody oh. was pretty young. The directors. I mean, it was at that time where 
you know, uh, Hollywood was shifting, and, and these young oh, directors. Oh, yes, the 70s. Right, we're having this movie. great opportunity, right? My first movie was directed by Mike Nichols. And, and what a trippy movie, Carnal Knowledge. Yeah. What a bizarro movie that was. I love that movie. Yeah, I love it, too. It holds up, by the way. I, I bet you, I, I think the last time I saw it was maybe five years ago. Like, yeah. I do check in with it occasionally. It holds up. That slideshow at the end. Oh my God! With Nicholson and Ballbusters on yeah. Parade. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes. And that, oh, you know, it was, it was sooner than that. That character, his character, was disturbing. And very I think, disturbing. And I think sort of timeless as far as toxic masculinity goes. Yes, uh, absolutely crippled. Yeah, crippled. And, you, and you were married to Art Garfunkel. Were I you? was his uh, uh, flower child girlfriend. Right. Yeah. When he acted, he acted a few times. A oh, couple of yes, Mike Nichols Mike, movies, yeah, Catch Twenty Two, yeah. yeah, and and your movie. And I don't remember him in other movies. I know there was. I think I just saw him in a movie where, and I can't remember what it was. God damn it! Yeah, it's a, it's okay. That's the um, other thing. Let it go, Mark. <laughs> right, but Nichols at that time. What? How old was he? Like you were how old when he started? In the I was movie? seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah. So you had to get your parents' permission. Well, almost. <laughs> my mother. What? Uh, I, they had, were shooting already in Vancouver, and yeah. I lived in New York. And um, they, so I just met Juliet Taylor, yeah. and she sent my picture to Mike in yeah. Vancouver. Right, and then they said we want to fly her out there and meet her. Yeah, and if she gets the part, she'll stay, and if she doesn't, she'll go right back. Right. So my mother said to the producer, Yeah. Well, she's only going. If you fly her first class. Oh, of course. Because, yeah. of course, she yeah. anticipated that I would be flying back with a broken heart the next day. So, uh, at so least, she wanted you to have peanuts and food uh, and stuff. Uh, Well, just <laughs> that, yeah, that, that how, how could I possibly, f- f- you know, go meet Mike Nichols and have this miracle happen? Yeah, yeah, right, right. Which is insane that yeah. that happened to me. Why, it, why didn't a, you give yourself some credit? Um, I... I Give myself a little credit, but yeah. I'm talking about like the greatest director, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know. Yeah. And and Jack and like starting out in that company, right? It was like a miracle, you yeah. know. Yeah. So so you you didn't have to fly back, sad. They I didn't have to part. fly back. I stayed there. And so you your memories of Mike are, are like. Um, Moving. Of course, I'm crying. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Oh, I see you have tissues, so I must not be the first. (laughs) It happens. And I also see you have a scary-looking knife on the table. I know. Like, people distract themselves with things. With this stuff. Yeah, I've had stuff here. And I just put, like, I noticed this morning that I didn't have tissues. I'm glad I put them out. Oh, did you know that I'd be the sucker that needed them? No, I didn't. <laughs> I just knew that like sometimes people need tissues, so I brought them out just today because I'm still getting set up in here. So what was so amazing about, about Mike Nichols outside of the fact that he gave you his your first opportunity? Was he, because you've worked with amazing directors. Yes. So w- what determines that? In Mike's case, yeah. first of all, he, he is completely brilliant. Yeah. And in his mind, he's brilliant with music and photographs yeah. and literature and uh, d- all the arts yes. and intellectual books and yeah. yeah and but mike had this gift of making everyone feel that they were the only person that was right for the part oh uh, and it made I, you feel special 
Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I said to Mike, I, I guess I'm so nervous that I won't, you know, be doing what what you want me yeah. to do or right. be able to live up to. Yeah. And he said, oh, well, you're perfect. You can't do anything wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. And then if you believe that a little bit, you are free to do your best work. And it's a rare thing that a director will just right away give you total freedom and support you in that way, yeah, you know. Right. And, and a brilliant director who'd have every right to say, no, don't do it, That you know. Uh, but that's not how Mike works, you know. And also I think it, it seems that if he's, He's probably being obviously being genuine, so he's casting oh, he's people. Genuine. Right, he's casting people specifically for who they are. Yeah, because you're singular. So in order, the fact that he made you believe that and understand that that early on probably gave you a, a, a good foundation just in terms of how to think yes. about acting. Yes, that's and, that's great. Yeah, like it's the same with all really with with Nicholson too. I mean. You know, that there's nobody really does what either of you do. Oh, Jack, you know, he's just so great. Do you, do you, did you, how many, did you have scenes with him other than that big, I did, slideshow but scene? you know, I had a big scene that was cut where, um, I came back to him, yeah, the flower child, without Arthur, yeah, and I presented myself to him, uh, naked and everything, yeah. to, try and i thought i could heal him yeah. you know yeah and 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 he he didn't want me you know uh-huh and so that was a another big scene but it got cut oh wow yeah that sounds like a pretty uh it's your first movie and you're naked in front of jack nicholson i know how was about that, that was that a, a a bad experience or a good experience shocking <laughs> i was shocked every second <laughs> But I was so young then, too, you know. He was pretty young, but not that young. He was, I think he was like 35 or something, uh-huh. and just and just becoming a giant star, you know. Yeah, right. Easy Rider had right. come out, and, right. and suddenly he was on the front of Time magazine yeah. or something, and yeah. he, he, he didn't know anything about that. He was finding his way to how that happened to him, yeah. <laughs> you know, and... Uh, well, how was he to work with at that oh, point? Oh, so generous. Oh, I'm going to tell you. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to tell you this story. Yeah. It's, it's the best... Oh, no, I have two, like, okay. should I tell you? Yeah. Two Jack Nicholson stories? Please, because, uh, you know, we, we don't see much of him anymore, and it's no, sad. You know, I know. Those of us who grew up, you know, watching him. Being running. in love with him. Yeah. I know. Like, even when he just sit it up front at the Oscars, you know. You, well... Okay, one of my stories yeah. is that, is <laughs> yeah. the Oscars. Uh-huh. So I did a movie called Hester Street. Which that, is, was the big, that was the big movie for you. Yeah, I got nominated for Best Actress. For, that was 75, the, 1975. Oh, really? Okay. A strange Jewish movie, in a way. A black and white, yeah. turn of the century. I remember uh, it, Lower East Side. At Lower East Side, I spoke Yiddish for most of the movie. The movie cost about $400,000. It looks like an independent film. Oh, it's the most independent it could be. <laughs> and um, so it was a crazy thing that I got nominated. Can I just ask you, though, uh, oh. you know, uh, uh, around to set that movie up? Because I was thinking about it, and I, I, I think it's been years since I've seen it, but I remember you in it. I remember posters for it. But it, it dawned on me this morning that this was not a studio film. How did And like most of the people that are in it, I have never heard of. 
All right. Well, and how did that happen? I mean, was it a big movie? No, I mean it. It was a couple, uh, Joan and Ray Silver. Uh-huh. Joan wrote the script, um, and it was taken from Jewish Daily Forward and yeah. and other things. And, uh, and about the 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 Lower East Side, at the, yeah, the first wave of immigrants coming over, right? Like and, my grandparents. Oh yes, or great okay. grandparents, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was eight, like early nineteen hundreds. Yes, it was yeah, right. about 1900 right. around then. And um I remember they did, they shot it all on location, right? And they made it all Yes. Right. Except so, we had a little studio on East 5th Street where the apartment was, mm, my apartment. East 5th. Yeah. yeah there was yeah. a little studio, 2nd Avenue and 5th Street. Interesting. So these people just put the money together and they shot put, the movie. Okay, Ray Yeah. was in prefab housing. They are also from Cleveland and knew my parents, by the way. Okay, okay. And Ray made a great deal of money as a businessman in prefab housing. Oh, that's what he sold. That was his business. Yes. And Joan um, wrote this genius script, I think. Uh It was a a script that when I read it, I was watching the movie. Uh I thought I was watching the movie. Mm. And so I tried out for that several times and also worked with uh, someone from the Yiddish theater to coach me because I, I really spoke Yiddish for two-thirds of the movie. Did you have family that spoke Yiddish? Um, not around me. Right. Uh, my grandmother, of course, spoke Yiddish, but she was one of the people that didn't really want to be talking about before. All right, she, she wanted to. She was well, American. American. Right, right. They they wanted to yeah. let go of that. She she, she We're taught. from Russia? Russia, mm. Austria. Yeah, yeah, I got Russia that too. Russia and Austria. I yeah? got Russia and Austria. Yeah, a little bit. I got Russia, Poland. I just yeah. did uh, Finding Your Roots. Oh, they yeah? Did, yeah, they did that. How show. was that? It was cool. It was cool. Yeah, man. I like, learned a lot of stuff. I, I, a lot of Russians, a lot of you know, the uh, Pale of Settlement mm. uh, section of Russia. A lot of, most, I think, Ashkenazis contract uh-huh. themselves back to there, uh-huh. and then uh, Ukraine, Poland, yeah, and, Poland. yeah, and some. Uh, it was mostly Russia and Poland. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, so that was your. That's where you come from. Yeah, yeah. So you're learning Yiddish. You're I getting le- coached for the audition. Yeah, the last phase of the yeah. many auditions was to audition in Yiddish. Mm. You know, and I don't know. I got that part, that great, great, great part. Did people go to the movies? Did they go see it? I, I, I think it. people went to see it. I mean, okay, I'll tell you how I got nominated, I think. There was a, a retired uh, publicist. Yeah. I, I believe he worked with Jack Warner, one of the oh, great really? yeah. studio, studio heads. Yeah. And he was retired, but he as he told me, liked a dark yeah. horse. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he came out of retirement to do Julie Christie's campaign for Darling, which she won. Uh-huh. She won. The year before you or two? Uh, yeah. I don't know the exact date. Yeah. Okay. But, so he figured that I was the darkest of horses yeah. in this tiny old movie. And since he came from old, old Hollywood, yeah. this brilliant guy took the film and I'm talking about film, yeah. cans of film, yeah. big, two big cans yeah. of film, over to uh, Frank Sinatra's house, and uh, who, and he had some people, Rosalind Russell's oh, house. Oh, the voting and academy. Had, and they had yeah. people over in those days, you know, it was much more personal. It was and, a smaller 
everything was yeah. smaller. Yeah. And 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 you you know there weren't a million movies because there wasn't streaming stuff or yeah. whatever. So he physically took those cans to people's houses, influential people who in could the vote, right? And you know they'd have a dinner and then they'd have a screening. That's and, how it worked, huh? And that's how I believe that I owe it to Max. Yeah. I mean, I owe it to the brilliance of the role, yeah, but also to Max. Yeah. That's that's why, but also then you know, like all those people saw the movie. They know? saw the movie, and yeah. you got and you got nominated, yeah. and uh, and who won? Oh, Louise Fletcher won for, for Cuckoo's, Cuckoo's Nest. Nest. So you saw Jack again. So this uh, brings yeah. us back to the story. Okay, so the story, uh, that story. When I have another great one, but that story is when you get nominated yeah. for an Oscar, um, you suddenly. Everyone in the world wants to talk to you, and everyone in the world wants to send you flowers mm-hmm. and give you free things. And yeah. uh, we didn't have swag bags in those days, so right. I missed out on that. <laughs> okay. um, but it's just but like a hurricane. Fun, I think. He had more fun. I Maybe. Think. Yeah. So it's like a hurricane. Yeah. And yeah. and I was so young. I think I was twenty three when at the ceremony uh-huh. or something. And so. All this happened to me, and I was at the Oscars, and there yeah. was Jack, right? You know, giving me a smile. Did and he everything. win that year too? He won Best Actor, Best Actor for McMurphy. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And I did not win. Yeah. And I woke up the next day. Yeah. In my Beverly Hills hotel. Yeah. Which was like fantasy land, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And the phone didn't ring to the extent where I think I picked it up like you do if you're in love with someone and you don't know why they're not calling and you figure it must because the phone is broken. So you felt like you'd just been lost and, oh, and no one wanted to talk to you. It was bizarre. It <laughs> yeah. was science fictional. How, the how commotion far? and then boom, nothing. nothing. Yeah. Except yeah. then I get a call from Jack around 1130 or... 12. Yeah. Did I want to come have Mexican food at El Cholo's with he and Angelica? This is the day after he won. And he knew what that next day is like. Because that, you know, he didn't win everything. Right. So he knew that it would be very quiet and it would <laughs> it would be yeah, a, a, sad. a hard day. Yeah. And he picked me up and took me to lunch and got me out of my doldrums. Oh, that's sweet. It's crazy yeah. that he did that, you know, that he thought of me that next day. That's sweet. It's very moving. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so then I have another one. Should I tell yeah. the other one? Yeah. The other one was that I did the last detail. With, I love that movie. Jack. You're so good in that movie. And Thank you. And God, Quaid was so good. Randy, they were all oh, so good. They, and Jack and everybody. Oh, yeah. Hal Ashby, of course. What Now, like, before you tell that story... Like Hal Ashby, you know, when, okay, in terms of, you know, we sort of discussed a little bit about Mike Nichols, but Hal yeah. Ashby is sort of a, a curious guy. He was a very unique guy that I don't know a lot about. You know, what was his process? What was he like? He he was so involved with the scenes. And in those days, the director was on the set. Yeah. It wasn't in Video Village. Like, right. Way far away. Yeah. And, they were sitting on the set, and Hal, he would just crack up 
out loud while you were shooting. <laughs> he, you know, he couldn't help himself because he he would be just gone, yeah, gone in the movie. Yeah. and uh, also incredibly kind person. Yeah, I, I mean, like that. I think the last detail, which I I watch once a year or so, like I still, oh, do you? oh sure, yeah. yeah, I saw it recently. Oh boy, and uh, you know, just because of the 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 groove of those movies, you know, the, it's just. There's something totally totally unique about that. I just yeah. watched The Friends of Eddie Coyle last night. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, oh, I remember that. It's one. a heavy movie, man. Yeah, I mean, it's a heavy ending. But um, but yeah, you were so great as sort of like this sweet prostitute. <laughs> yeah, thank but, you. I it, mean, I I thank you for saying that. Yeah, and uh, but it's such a it's such a beautiful movie. It's it, about isn't it? Yeah, when they have to let him go. Oh my God, it's. And it's Terrible. sort of different for Jack. I mean, he, you know, he sort of, it, there's something, you know, him struggling with the emotions of what he has yeah, to do. Yeah, because he's a career guy. He's yeah. a lifer. Yeah. And he, and yeah. He, and he likes the kid. Yeah, he, they love the kid. And Otis with Otis Young is the Otis other guy. Young, it was great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, okay. So what's the other Jack story? Okay. So in the movie... Uh, it starts out in the little parlor of yeah. a horror house, right? And uh, the scene, the scene, yeah. That uh, my portion. So, uh, and Randy Quaid's character is told that he can pick mm-hmm. any of the prostitutes, yeah. And he picks me, yeah. And so uh, <laughs> then um, Jack kind of comes in the room with us, yeah. where everything's supposed to happen and you know kind of tells me that it's uh he's a kind of a first timer in this <laughs> right, right i remember yeah right and then he's supposed to leave yeah and the scene is, keeps going inside that room but i have i close the door after jack it's not really supposed to close all yeah. the way because the camera is looking into that room. Right. So it's supposed to close, movie close, yeah. like just enough inches from, from the camera right. so that they can still see the scene. And again, I was very young and I was very nervous. And every time it came to the point where I was supposed to close the door, I closed the door. Yeah, all the way. Except <laughs> yeah. that Jack knew after that happened once or twice that that was going to happen every time. Yeah. And he was so kind that he stayed right next to the camera every take. And when I tried to close the door, he put his hand in the way and stopped it where it needed to be for the camera. <laughs> and he didn't laugh at me or make fun of me. He just made it possible for the scene to continue without saying anything. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Just did it. Yeah. So I just think those are stories of such kindness yeah. and empathy, you know. He loves, you know, I, I can't remember if I was talking to Brooks, James Brooks or uh-huh. or Carl Reiner, but there was, uh. you know. But they, it was about uh, a few good men uh-huh. that you know they were doing Tom Cruise's coverage or Bacon's coverage. I don't remember whose coverage, but you know, you know, Nicholson was on the stand, but it was the other side. Yeah, and you know, they were like, "You can take a break, Jack." And yeah. Jack was like, "He just kept he no. kept, stayed there, and he kept acting at the intensity that the role required." That's his generosity as yeah. an artist. Yeah, he's, and they asked him, "What do you do that for?" He goes, "I just I love to act." Isn't that great? I love to act. 
Yeah, and there there is a generosity there. Yeah. Uh, that's great. That's those are great stories. They're yeah. very they're very touching. Yeah. And then like and then you work with like we're never going to get through every movie, but they're these defining movies cuz I Dog Day Afternoon you were in the bank, right? Yes. That and you that was a lot of screen time for you. Yes. That was crazy. With Mr. Pacino. Young who Pacino. Who I just worked with again. For this new thing you're doing, Hunters. Hunters for Amazon. It stars Al. I mean, you were with Al when he was like, you know, there was a, yeah, a strange, he was, he was like the vulnerability there. Like oh. the, to see, you know, to see who he was, you, you know, in the, in Serpico and, and in definitely, I think, Dog Day Afternoon more than than any of the other younger Al oh, ones. so beautiful. Really Well, I don't sweet. know. There's a Panic in Needle Park. Panic in Needle Park and... I mean, and, and uh, Scarecrow and And Justice so for All is a little later, right? Yeah. Scarecrow. But, 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 and also Al and I did several plays together when we were young, and he was just brilliant on the stage. So open, right? Oh, yeah. It's so, really something. It's fun to be on the other side of things and work again. Again, you know, with that, with that, yeah. oh, I bet. I mean, uh, thirty years in between or something. And you guys hadn't really talked or anything, or seen we'd much see of... each other yeah. once in a while because um, I belonged to the actor's studio and I was president, and you know, we would see each other at uh-huh. gatherings uh-huh. and things like that. But not we hadn't worked together in did a you, movie. Did you work at the actor's studio? Did you train there? Um, I yeah, trained with. Uh, a woman named Marilyn Freed who trained with Strasburg, and yeah. and then I became a member, and I, but I, I was never brave enough to get up and do a scene. Isn't that terrible? Really? When you were younger, you mean? Yeah. Why? Well, who was there? What was so intimidating? It was. Was Strasburg still there? No, he he he. I saw him a couple times moderate, yeah. you know, and that was very intimidating. But uh. The, it felt so hallowed to me, yeah. you know, and uh, so vulnerable because you're putting up work that is not supposed to be finished in any yeah. way. And it doesn't matter if you don't even get the first sentence of the scene you're doing right, out. Right. You, you just are doing a process and... I don't know. I just couldn't take it if I couldn't take it if I did a bad job. So too I, vulnerable. I guess so. So you, but you would hang out. Yes. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And Ellen Burst, and she she's the one that um, uh, accepted me, and and later also even put me on the board. You know. Uh huh. Um, what she's, did she know, uh-huh. right? <laughs> and we just did a play in London, Ellen and I. Uh, and uh, Keira Knightley and Elizabeth Moss called the Children's Hour. Uh-huh. Lillian Hellman. Uh-huh. She, Ellen was just amazing to work with. Wow, when was that? Last year? That, no, that was I say I we just did because it feels like it, but I think it was about seven years ago. Yeah. So most of your training was with Freed. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she was a uh, and she was a uh, a Strasbourg student of and Strasbourg. and she yeah and mm. she became uh, a coach for a lot of people. And you did private with a lot her? of. I I did class and uh-huh. I did private and she was my coach uh-huh. on Hester Street. Okay. Yeah. Keeping you uh, keeping you in line. Yes. Keeping you focused. <laughs> Just helping me get as far in 
into the emotional mm-hmm. life as as that's as a, was needed. That's great. I've never seen like I, I well I haven't done that kind of acting my whole life until recently. I was on a set where there was dialect coach and also an acting coach. What was that? This, mm-hmm. uh, that was for. Um, this Aretha Franklin biopic I did with uh, Jennifer Hudson. Oh my God. I played Jerry Wexler. And so like, I didn't need the acting coach, but the dialect coach was sort of paying attention to my Brooklynese or my New Yorker. Thing. What was it supposed to be, your dialect? That was it. It was yeah, just, it was so just you New were, York, you know, and so, I could do it. Yeah. So, but, but like, you know, sometimes you, you drift and then they're the kind yeah. of there, he'll come in after a take and go, like, when you say, you know, park, you know, park, not park, you know, park, yeah, you yeah, know. They, so, yeah, yeah, really, yeah, yeah. They did that on Hunters a lot. Like, oh, they really? really, you know, had to have that Yiddish, again, Yiddish, because we were from Poland, had to have it. Perfect, you know. And is this a modern day piece, Hunters? No, it takes place in 1970. Oh, good, because I was wondering. I saw, I watched a trailer, and there was, you know, you know, I was in the camp, and I'm like, I don't think any of them are alive anymore. No. So it's in the 70s. So it takes place in the 70s, but there are a lot of flashbacks back to Auschwitz and oh. camps. And, and this is uh, uh, Jordan Peele. Yes. Mm. Uh, and David Weil and Nikki Toscano. They're the writer producers and uh yeah they it's an amazing show i think is it is it a series or a mini series we did 10 okay. but it's not they intend to do another okay. season but you know that's the other thing i've learned with age is just don't count on it well yeah, don't count weird. on anything the, the horrible thing about that is because i'm on a series that actually got announced that it, we're doing the fourth and final season but it's nice to know that because when you do a series, you know, and, and every every after every ten episodes now, you know, and they're you gotta wait panic. a year in not just a panic, but you gotta kinda half end it. Like you if you're the to. creator. You yeah. you, you gotta know that I, that it ten might not go on. Has to, you know, have enough closure yeah. to to, you know, be it. Yes. Which I think it's nice that we're heading into this season and the creators and the showrunners know. That, oh. that it's over because now they can you know finish they it properly. Can, yeah, you know we did uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt for people f- love four that years, show, and we did not know that it was ending until very close to the end. Yeah, and they did uh, Tina and Faye and Robert Carlock. They did this genius job of wrapping up our stories. Yeah, but. But they really didn't have much warning, right? And um, I think it's great to know like oh, yeah. how much time you have. And, and, and you know, to be honest with you, you know, and this was just—I I don't think anything needs to be more than four or five seasons. I really. guess so. I, I mean, I know it's nice to work, and everybody wants to work. But I mean, in terms of sp- storytelling, maybe not. You know, a lot of them, you know, they start to eat themselves. Oh, uh, I know, don't know that that was happening. We did, we did a. No, no, no. I'm not saying it was happening, but it just feels to me. I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And we did get to do a Kimmy Schmidt movie, which is uh, for Netflix, which is an interactive movie. Did it happen already? It, it's coming out in May, I think. An interactive movie, meaning that the audience—forget it—I couldn't do it because I'm just so ignorant about computers and yeah. stuff. But the audience picks where each character is going to go. They have like four different oh, endings. Oh, right, right. Yeah, someone. Yeah, Soderbergh they, did a thing like that, or something. I think so. And then then they pick, and then so there's like four different movies within the one movie oh, depending on what path you choose for each character yeah it was like it was a Sharon Stone thing that uh, what the yeah hell that was, was Soderbergh it, right it was right it was and, and Paul Rubens was in that and he was so good in that yeah, yeah. 
All right, so just let's stay in the past for a second more, okay. like because because these movies were so defining, and these directors like you know Nichols, and then and then Ashby, and then Sidney Lumet. Dog Day. Because they're all very like I would say that they're. It feels to me that in in tone yeah. there may be a similarity between uh, Ashby and Lumet. I uh, will say that Sidney um, directed the movie with a month of rehearsal before we started uh-huh. shooting. Of so Dog that, Day. So, so oh, we, no were, we were running through it like a play in, oh, a, really? in a, uh, another place on 2nd Avenue, yeah. above the 2nd Avenue Deli or oh, something. Yeah. There was a big hall, uh-huh. and they taped it off like they do when you're in the theater yeah. to show which what's where. Yeah. And we rehearsed that thing till we could do it as a play because we weren't going to shoot in continuity, but he wanted us to have uh, the whole oh, thing. Yeah, that's so smart. Oh, it's unbelievable. To so. know the story so mm. you know you can act appropriately. Yeah. That's the hardest thing I think about acting is when you shoot out a sequence and then uh. you have to be refreshed with, yeah. you know, where am I yeah. emotionally or, or physically yeah. in this? Well, back in the old days, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I did a Canadian movie called Wedding in White. Yeah. Um, which won Best Film in the Canadian Film Festival, and it was with Donald Petrie, uh-huh. a great actor. Yeah. And, um, you know, I used to go to the rushes every day. Oh, really? Because I, I was the central character, yeah. and we were sh- jumping around so much that we shot the last scene in the movie the first day we shot. Yeah. And in those days, you know, the actors they could have that in their contract to go sit and watch it and then you could track for yourself right where you were emotionally oh really each day. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah you could see oh i yeah. i this but that means tomorrow when i get into this i have to yeah you oh, that's could, helpful yeah it was so helpful and uh those were the days when i could actually look at myself on the screen which is no longer the case oh really yes oh well, i'm sorry so yeah then you did Annie Hall, which out what Alice Importunic was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. First wife. But he's a different type of director than those other guys, right? I mean, it's, oh yeah. From what I from what I've talked to people, he they he says you know you you're supposed to know what you're doing. That's right, uh, and he again like Mike, I think it, he relied totally on the casting, mm. and again uh, Juliet Taylor did most of his casting and. Um, he so he would cast the person that he thought was perfect for the role because he really didn't feel like he wanted to be heavily directing people, right? Especially he was in the movie, you yeah. know, with you and um, and he, yeah. So he basically left it up to you, and if it was really off what he wanted, then he would say something, but he didn't say a lot. Yeah, but like it's hard. Like I guess I wanted to get I got locked into these earlier movies because that's I think. Sort of defined you in the public eye a lot, right? Initially. I hope so. Yeah, those cause, were the days. Yeah, and I remember them very. You know, I I I love you in all those movies. Thank you. And I've seen all, a lot of the other movies as things like I I remember seeing you. I think like the first in my mind, the kind of resurrection or not resurrection because you work constantly. But for me to re-notice you was like the Princess Bride. Yeah. Like all of a sudden I'm like, oh my god, it's Carol King and Scrooge and Scrooge, yeah. Yeah, and but then, you work constantly. Well, you did that. You did the the 
You work with Gene Wilder. Yeah, that that was great. The world's greatest. The world's greatest. Oh my god! That's you know that's a great movie that didn't get uh, paid much attention. I Uh, know. I think it came out at the same time as High Anxiety, maybe, the Mel Brooks movie. And it was and, a similar to a Mel Brooks movie in a way. Well, yeah. yeah. And so I don't know what happened, but I think it's a really good movie. But Gene, you guys together, come on. Yeah, that he's, was great. He was great. Yes, he was great. So funny. He's a funny guy. There's I like, noticed that. I, yeah, I watched Young Frankenstein again the other day, and I just said, oh, he is just too funny. He just and, had this weird build where he'd start slow. Yeah, and, and I also... And going. And, I watched Bonnie and Clyde. The yeah, other right day. in the back you, of the car. Oh, my God, that little part, and he was so <laughs> brilliant, right? Yeah. What was it? Was he a nice guy to work with? Oh, yeah. He was sweet, huh? Yeah. I guess it gets sad. You know, you talk about this. So many people are gone, gone. now. And then, um, what was the other one I was just thinking of? I had no idea that you were in Ishtar because I never saw it. Uh, well, there's another one for you to see. <laughs> Some people say it's not bad. Oh, it got... it's not bad. Yeah. It, it, it just, I don't know what happened, why it got it just attacked. Got, yeah. It's, yeah, it's got some great stuff in it, actually. Is it funny? Is it, it yeah, yeah, it is funny. It's Elaine May. Yeah, you work with the Nichols and May at I different have. times. So as you get, like, what is your, how do you determine... You know what? Because like it's really kind of astounding how much you work. You just keep going. You just keep I doing. Hope so. <laughs> no, I, you must love it. Right? I love it. Yeah. And I worked with you. Not really. I was in the same movie. Yes. I was well, in Michael yeah. Bigley's movie. Yeah. Which you were great in. Uh, which you were great in. Oh, Sleepwalk you. with yeah, me. Yeah. yeah, and that's where I met you the first yeah. time. Is that, that, that was in so Sundance? Fun. I think. Yes. But that was fun. That was fun. How do you determine what you're going to do? Well. You must have, have you been with the same agent forever? Uh, I've been with one a long time. Yeah. And uh, uh, not forever. Uh, I made some bad choices of leaving some great people because I, after Hester Street, yeah. the phone didn't ring for a year until Jean called. And, really? And I, Michael, you, you say I work all the time, but. After I, Hester Street? No, I didn't work for a year. Huh. Solid year. And that happened a lot between movies for me because I'm not a, uh, you know, I mean, I I got nominated for playing a woman with a scheidel on, you know, so (laughs) what's the next movie that that, that's going to, you know? Yeah. And so I, a lot of people just didn't understand who I might be, you know? And uh, so long periods I didn't work and I was with some great agents that I left because I wasn't working. Uh, So, um, but now I I love the people I'm working with and, uh, and I've had a very strangely good run for the last five years and also because of Kimmy and the Hunters you know and uh, also shooting in Brooklyn which means I get to live at home you yeah, know in yeah. New York and just get in the van and go to Brooklyn so much better right I still am you know praying that someday I'll get to work with Marty Scorsese you know yeah. Robert I mean you don't want to leave the earth without that happening. Well, it seems like you're of the uh, you're you're in that you're in you know you're of that generation. You're in that community. You guys all kind of know each other. You work with Pacino and you're working with him again. Where's your Where's your Scorsese De Niro shot? I don't You're know. You're in New York. I'm, 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 you can't imagine how, how much I hope. 
that that will happen one day. Oh, I hope so too now. And the taxi thing was huge too. You're, oh, you, I yeah. mean, you were on taxi for years, right? Uh, I was, you know what? I was only on taxi, I think, a year and a half, actually. Oh, yeah? Uh, I got brought in, or maybe it was a little longer than that. Maybe it was two se- two, two seasons. And uh, I got brought in in the first season. Yeah. And then I was gone for a while, and then I came back and became his Andy's girlfriend and then his wife. What was your relationship with Andy like? Uh, so complicated and strange and wonderful because that sounds uh, like everyone's relationship with andy kaufman that might be true (laughs) although you know andy had some very good friends but we uh at taxi were not one of them we we were work yeah yeah and elaine and yeah yeah, and a lot of people that uh we were work yeah and uh he separated taxi from his other life uh-huh. you know and we, we, the thing about Andy and I and I did love him is that um, I came from the theater yeah. so I like to rehearse Yeah, Andy came from well you could stand say up. stand up yeah. or you could say performance art right, sure. but in any case he hated rehearsing and he said it was bad for what he did uh-huh. is that true of most stand-ups no. or no well that was andy's feeling about it is he wanted yeah. it uh, spontaneous and yeah um, i understand that yeah so he had it in his contract that he would only come two days a week he'd come for the read-through and then he wouldn't be back till friday when we taped the show uh-huh. and there'd be a fake andy all the other time right. for rehearsal a guy named jeff lovely guy and so every time, uh, every Friday, yeah, I would have gotten so angry during the course of the week because I wanted to rehearse with him, you yeah, know. Sure. And so I would come to his dressing room or he mine, and I would say, "Look, Andy, I have to talk to you because I I I understand, you know, yeah. that you can't." Uh, uh, rehearse, but for me, uh, it just means everything. Blah, blah, blah. And then he'd say, I, I understand. I understand completely, but I just can't do it. And we'd have a talk like that. And by the end of that talk, we would be able to be in love and and be... So you got what you needed. Yes. Right. And and I think it, I think it was good for Andy, too, because uh-huh. uh, we had a relationship privately, just then, D- he, did, right? Discussing why he can't do what you well needed him to do, yeah, and why I can't do what he right needs to do. So he, you were he, able to emotionally connect with him in a genuine yeah, way, exactly enough to work the to go out there and do it. <laughs> yeah, well, that, I think that was speaks more to your uh, capacity for a- a- adapting. Uh, I don't know. I was lucky to work with them, you know. No, no, I know. I I know what I mean. But like you can see, you, you, the way you put it in retrospect is that you it worked for you. Yes. Right. Definitely. And, but, but in the moment, were you thinking that that it would work? Well, that way, you know, this is I, I'm getting what I need. Yeah, I through. knew it was necessary yeah. uh, because I knew that we would be 
distant. Oh, right. Without it. Oh, right, right. We hadn't yeah. seen each other. He was in a different world, and we, you know, we right. were work and. Well, when he was spontaneous, did, did you have any problem sort of uh, being the foil of, of that? When when somebody when you're working with somebody like him as an actor who who likes rehearsal, what do you do in that situation? Oh no, I like it to be spontaneous yeah. too. It's just that my way of getting to spontaneity is the opposite of his. <laughs> right, you, you know, you need everything to be set so you can launch from so there. So I can he go wants, right. He, he, he wants whatever. He doesn't want any of it. Yeah. So that's how that was. Yeah. And, uh, was it fun doing you know, the movie? He was so brilliant, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think he was. It's taken me years to appreciate him. He was never my bag, really, uh-huh. uh, as a comic, but he's really something. Yeah. I mean, I, I've definitely, over the years, uh, grown to have a tremendous amount of respect for yeah. the creativity that he had. so sad, that thing. Yeah, so, yeah. How was it, what was it like doing the, the movie the, with very Jim Very strange. For me, very emotional. Yeah? I just couldn't, because Jim was so good. Yeah. And we were all there, and we were, they recreated the set. Yeah. Impeccably. Yeah. So suddenly oh, it wow. was like you're back in time for real, you yeah. know, and, uh, and that's Milos Foreman, who's so right. great also. And then suddenly there's Andy, you yeah. know. Uh, right. uh, and it it was very, for me, I think for most of us, a very strange experience. Oh, I can't imagine. I think I talked to DeVito about it a little bit. Yeah. 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 It's pretty, it must have been just bizarre because cause Jim was out of his mind. It, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, Jim Carrey. Yeah. Well, genius out of his mind, right. not just yeah. out of his mind. But he genius. thought he was possessed. Well, by... that's the way he had to do that. Yeah, and it was effective stay in for it. you. Yeah, stay in it. And did it feel genuine to you? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Because some people said it was spooky. Yeah. Because like, I watched the documentary about the. Wasn't know, that great? It's crazy, man. Yeah. It was crazy. So it was like you were dealing with a whole other level of insanity. That wasn't Andy. This is like. Someone yeah, doing but, but I'll tell you something. Yeah. Maybe because of the nature of who Jim was and his appreciation for yeah. Andy and I together, right? That he was very gentle yeah, yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. I'm very. I never, ne- never did anything crazy to me. Mm-hmm. I, I knew crazy things might have been going on, but Tony Clifton. Things, you know. Was, was the Tony Clifton thing when you were actually with Kaufman was did you remember that? Him coming on set as Tony? I wasn't there no, when he got there. fired. Okay. He 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 got fired from the show because Tony came on to play um Danny's brother. Right. And he came to the studio with hookers on yeah. his arms and drunk yeah. and smoking cigarettes. And you know, Andy was um microbiotic. Yeah. But this other guy, Tony, <laughs> yeah. was this guy that yeah. just didn't give a shit about what yeah. anybody thought, and right. always picked the wor- the most defensive thing to say. Yeah, uh, you know, he didn't censor himself. Right. So he eventually caused so much trouble on the set that week that he was actually Tony was fired, right. not Andy. Right. Yeah. So yeah. everyone had to play along with that. Yeah. And it's it's unclear because I know Zamuda did Tony once in a while. He too. did it once in a while, not yeah. always though. Yeah, yeah. It was Andy's first. <sighs> Zamuda's something to talk to. Yeah, yeah two I hours bet. of tall tales. Okay. I bet. Yeah. So, 
Wait, one other question. Did you have fun with uh, Billy Crystal? Oh, God. Uh, that, cause what a that ridiculous seemed, question. <laughs> that seemed like such a perfect thing, that movie. Oh, my God, we had so much fun. That movie's hilarious. Except for the prosthetics, which were difficult and long. But everything else about it was just like, it was like a magical kingdom yeah. to fly to London and get to work with all those great people and yeah. have those fantastic <laughs> yeah. costumes and right. transform and and be with Rob and yeah. we had uh, we had uh, uh, lenses that made it look like we had cataracts. They were all well, we could barely see oh, through wow. them and then and there was a lot of smoke of course right, right. fairy tale spoke sure you have to it took hours oh god yes well um, best of luck with the new series Hunter thank you Mark it's, it's about Nazi hunters in the 70s yes <laughs> it's a, a pre. it's a relevant sadly yes. sadly relevant sadly horribly relevant and it was a real honor and a pleasure to talk to you I feel the same way, Mark. Thanks. Thank you. Oh, my God. What a treat. That was Carol Kane. That was the Carol Kane. I got choked up, man. Her reflecting about, you know, Nicholson. I just, wow. The show Hunters, her show with Al Pacino, is uh, all season, all episodes of season one are now streaming on Amazon. I am now going to play my new guitar. My new Gibson Les Paul Jr. 1960 double cutaway with a single P90 pickup arrived in the mail. And now I'm going to play it through my 1953 Fender Deluxe amp in the middle plug hole, jacked up. So it just sounds like fucking greasy tinny mud. Yes, yes, listen up.